0: Podcraft.
1: Welcome, everybody, to the podcast, Relationships. Let's talk about it. I'm Privil Taplitsky. I'm a psychotherapist specializing in relationship issues. Everybody's got one. Partners, family, friends, coworkers, neighbors, relationships. Let's talk about it. Welcome everybody to this episode, Helping Men Learn to Connect with Women. And this is a special episode, pretty unique. I have a conversation with Kathy Courtney and she is a dating consultant for men. So she helps men connect with women. So let me tell you a little bit about Kathy. She's been on a path of personal and spiritual growth for most of her life and she brings her heart and deep listening skills to everything she does. And I can definitely vouch for that being in her presence. And she has a range of experience with dance and somatic body work, body-mind centering, marketing and parenting. And she's also a leader in the art of circling, which she'll discuss more in this podcast, which also gives her a unique ability to cultivate authentic and meaningful relationships with her clients and meet them where they are. And one of our greatest strengths is creating a safe space that allows others to be with things that feel difficult and to stand fully in what's real for them. So we transverse a lot of subjects around connection. We talk about vulnerability and presence, authenticity, self-awareness, because when it comes to dating and relationship, there seems to be some confusion around what women truly want. So Kathy is here to explain and help men to do that. So also be sure to check out the details in the show notes to learn more about Kathy and her consulting business at kathycourtney.com. Because of course her philosophy is to find success in dating and relationships. It's not necessarily about how you look or what you have. It's about the presence that you bring to your connections. And this is what she will help men develop so enjoy our conversation i did it was an absolute pleasure to be in kathy's presence so i'm looking forward to this conversation uh, yeah because uh, we got a chance to talk over tea uh last month and i'm so glad that you want to do this and rap with me about being a dating consultant for men when i heard that i was like wow that is so cool
0: (laughs) yeah it feels quite bold when you say it like that
1: Hmm. what what came about how did you start that venture
0: yeah so i had been teaching for a few years a practice a relational practice uh called circling here in Asheville and back in california and it's an authentic relating practice where we really slow down and pay attention to what is happening, not only for you or for me, but in the space between us. And through that practice, and over time, really kind of getting the depth available in connection when, you know, I can be myself and kind of contained and sovereign in myself. And then relate to you and get that you're having a whole different experience and really get curious about your experience. So I started to see what was available when people were actually really connecting.
1: And what is available when people are connecting? What oh. do you feel?
0: <laughs> Basically, it's the stuff I live for. Mm. So not only, you know, when we meet people at first, we we tend to make judgments or make some kind of meaning out of our initial perception of when they walk in a room or we sit down with them for the first time. And I think so much of that is based on our previous experiences and how we see the world. But what I found, like when you start to actually get curious about somebody and really listen to them as if you don't know who they are, Mm. like you put that, the pre-box that you made for them on the side, you'll find that there is, like everybody has a story or a way that they see things or something that they bring that is of great value. So if I can really, you know, get to know you and get to know what's really there, it's a gift. So that's one of the things. It's just this gift that is actually available to us all the time that half the time we we don't take the time to really uncover. All right. Um And then also there's something too that's a little more mystical that when you're in deep connection with something, with somebody, and you're having that experience and there's back and forth, there's a third entity. And we we do talk about this in relationships, that you know, there's also the the space in between, this something else that seems to become present that I can't help but to feel a sense of reverence for and you know without getting i mean it, it's uh, <laughs> there's some judgment about it being too woo woo or spiritual but it it's like it feels like god or like the spark of god or something and when i'm in the presence of that i there's not much more that's needed
1: that's so sweet i love hearing that <laughs> and so that that pure connection that you were facilitating and encircling came to an idea of helping people, especially men, yeah. connect on that level outside of that, which would be just in the day-to-day aspects where men are nervous, uh, uh, socialized in a certain way, have certain expectations, put masks on, and yeah. to do it more authentically.
0: Yeah, well, thanks for bringing it back to the work with men. So the a lot of the men that were coming into the circling world, you know, I was seeing more and more men showing up that just have this rich access to vulnerability and seeing what would what would become for them, like the transformation that would occur for them in their lives. Not just in the, you know, when they came to the weekends and immersed themselves, but also what I was seeing in terms of their growth and how life was changing for them. And then in addition, you know, with the Me Too movement and hearing a lot more from men, just the confusion or fear around, wait, how do I show up as a man? Like, I hear women saying they want me to be a man, but they also don't want me to dominate. They want me to be vulnerable, but then I'm, you know, how much is too vulnerable? And so just a general, what felt like confusion in a way. Hmm. And I'm one of those women, and I think, I think I'm kind of rare in that I have such openness towards men. I'm grateful. I, I I don't have experiences in my past that would have it another way, but I've always felt very open and safe and kind of trusting. And so it just felt like a natural inclination. And I I love working with men. I love seeing them, you know, really reveal who they are and kind of find more of their essence and, help them to open up to this possibility of connecting and and intimacy which also in turn like shows up in different parts of their lives.
1: Right. So I'm imagining people are thinking some of the logistics of that. So do you actually help them based on a date that they had or do you actually go out on a date with them <laughs> and you got maybe a little bit of a notepad going and I mean, <laughs> how how does it actually work when a man thinks about yes, I want some consultation on being more authentic, getting past some fears and awkwardness because things haven't worked out for me.
0: Yeah, that's a great question. What I do is I do a combination of things. I do actually go out on a couple dates. So I'll do a like a coffee date and I'll do a dinner date. And starting from even when they determine or ask me like where we where do we want to meet. So what I do is, and what I'm really good at, is paying attention to the subtleties that are happening for me in response to somebody else and then articulating it.
1: Mm, so, so you give real-time feedback. I do. Wonderful.
0: So here an example is I had a client who was asking me to a place for dinner. And even in the communication in the text, I noticed, oh, like I felt like a sense of deflatedness of, how he was asking, where he was wanting to go. Like, so I I helped him or coached him through, you know, what would be a more effective and potent way to invite me to dinner. And then I suggested, you know, take a little time and let's do have a redo and let's try again. And this is all over text. Wow. And then literally an hour later, he said, I'm thinking this place or this place. what's your you know, what's your selection or whatever? And there was something in the energy behind his text that then I noticed in my body a yes, like everything was lined up, hmm. and I felt a sense of excitement. Hmm. And so then I communicated that back. So even as simple as that, um, or it may be, you know, a common mistake that that can happen with men is you go out on a date with them, you don't know them yet. And I think it's pretty typical for the, the females, for the woman to get curious and ask questions. And so um, the male, the, ma- the man will like just start talking and go on and on and All on, right. you know, like yep. talk about their job and like some of the accomplishments they've made and blah, 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 and they'll just keep going. And oh, their ex
1: and their ex and their ex. Oh,
0: hell yeah. <laughs> oh my God, that's a big one. Right. <laughs> totally. totally right. And then, they'll just keep talking, but they won't check in with the woman that they're sitting across from. Right. And the chances are that she's pretty much probably shutting down at that point. So I will I will say, you know, I've noticed, I'm noticing, that's some of the language I'll use, I'm noticing that I'm starting to shut down and that you haven't asked me any questions and I'm no longer able to really listen to you.
1: Mm. So... I'm imagining up front, you're telling them, I'm going to be giving you some feedback that yeah. might sting at times. Um, I'm going to give it to you in a in a uh, kind and straightforward way, not a shaming way, but you got to have a little bit of a tough skin in some way, right? To be able to be curious and interested in the feedback.
0: Correct. Yeah. And I even say to them, if it's too much, like if you recognize in yourself that this is too much, you can always hang up the white flag or put up the white flag and we can take this particular thing outside of the dating context and we'll put it into more of our coaching context. Mm. So that's the other part that outside of the dates, I also do one-on-one coaching with these men where we you know, spend more time getting curious about the parts in them or the places in them where they're feeling blocked or scared or anxious Mm. or like, Lack of confidence or whatever Mm. it is, and we really dive deeper into those aspects.
1: Yeah, instead of doing it on the date, right? Right, that won't work.
0: That's not the good time to do it, right?
1: Anything that comes up for you around what men bring to the angst of needing to lead in dating, because there's this socialization that men have that they have to lead in Mm -hmm. dating. And I don't know if if you talk about that as being true or being a misnomer. Mm. Uh, how does that partnering start to take place as opposed to, well, maybe at times it could take place in both ways. Man can lead in a certain way. And what I mean by lead, I'm thinking of if a man asks out a woman, just like you said, he proposes where to go. Mm -hmm. And there's an aspect of, I'm going to initiate some of this. So initiation seems like a lead.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I know for me, I do like that in the beginning. I think in general, that can be an advantageous thing for the man. But also what I like is what, what would it be like if right from the beginning we could get agreement on things? So. You know, if a man said to a, per- a prospective date, is it okay with you if I take the lead here? Because, you know, there's different variations on how women want to be approached mm-hmm. or how they want the process to go. So, what if we could make agreements along the way? You mm-hmm. know, I guess it's a level of consent. So, right. you know, would it be okay with you if I took the lead here? And then perhaps, you know, once you've been on a date, And you you do take the lead, it is actually a beautiful opportunity, I believe, for the woman to receive. I think in today's age, it's tricky for for women to receive. Right. Things have got kind of, you know, in terms of masculine and feminine and our roles, and we're in a very different paradigm than we were even 10, 15, 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. So I think getting that consent and then and then a few a little way in saying you know setting up agreements so how how do we want this to go how much contact do you want you know in between dates that's mm. something we don't talk about like how do you like to stay in contact do you want you know a text Every day, do you want a phone call?
1: And is that included in your package? <laughs> you know, <laughs> as as a therapist, I'm like ten minute prorated. <laughs> so, you know, it's if if we talk over the phone more than ten minutes, I'm going to charge you. I'm just curious, and people might be curious how how does that actually work from a consultation if they're interested yeah. in? Is there these dating packages where it's coffee or dinner? Yeah. If there's three dates, is there six? Is there parameters around? Contact, physical contact, and so forth.
0: Yeah. So I think we're, uh, what I was speaking about before was agreements between the man and his prospective date. Like, how much contact do you want between dates? Mm -hmm. For me, and packages and all of that, I do have different packages. And my premium package does include both three dates, six coaching sessions, and then four 15 minute debriefs off to dates, help with their dating profile. Mm. And some texting back and forth.
1: So, if a man wanted more frequent contact, would he say, "Well, I want to try this out. So, I'm, I want, uh, I'm going to experiment with you and contact between dates."
0: Mm-hmm. Do you you do mean that? with me personally? Yeah, right. yeah, I would uh-huh. definitely be open to that. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I do actually like to check in with my clients in between. So, you know, what are you noticing? You know, they may have a, just in short exchanges, like for instance, I have a client, I'm working with him on the idea of attunement. Mm. So, you know, how do I attune to somebody? And for those who don't really know what attunement is, I would say, you know, if you think about sound or like creating a sound or a hum and how that's on a certain frequency, right? And then you join in with somebody that's already humming and you find the same frequency. That's attuning to the frequency. So how that can look in, you know, dating or meeting with somebody, it's slowing down or speeding up to the tone of their voice. It's matching body language. It's breathing at the same rate that they're breathing. Mm -hmm. And that provides a sense of safety and allows people to open up.
1: So you coach that of I, I working do. with the tumor?
0: I do. So with this particular client, he, you know, the homework was take this on and go to work and attune with your boss, attune with you know, he, uh, the person that comes into the store, your customer, just practice this sense of attunement. So I'll just check in in the middle of the week. How's the attunement going? Yeah,
1: because <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's one of the attributes that most committed couples really have a challenge with, yeah. especially men, attuning into the wife, tuning in, looking at her, making eye contact, mm. bits of connection. And like yeah. you're saying, that kind of pace, even in silence, allow silence to take place. Mm. As most men, do you feel uncomfortable with silence?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it depends on the level of personal work that they've done and the practices that they have under their belt. You know, like mm. if somebody is more, has had more experience with yoga, or meditation, and things like that, then they seem to have more comfort with silence. But a lot of men don't. Is that what you find, too, with attunement with the couples that you work with? Do you work with that, too? Yeah,
1: I think men have a hard time tuning into their bodies Mm -hmm. um, very much up in their head, Yeah, um, right, wrong, what they should do, expectations. And they're not really tuning into the comfortableness of their body. So understanding the resonance of what was just spoken or receiving. And so that's one part that I also help men is to really feel like what's going on in your body, where's the also where's the emotion in your body so that yeah. they get a more sense so that they can actually tune into themselves so that they can tune into somebody else.
0: That's such a fundamental aspect, foundational aspect to relating. Mhm. Yeah. It's like what is actually happening for me right being with you.
1: Yeah. Cuz one of the Conversations, as you're probably well aware, that most couples have, that they have a conflict is when a woman says, "So, tell me what you're feeling," <laughs> and men freeze, or you know, "I'm I'm fine," and they don't really tune in, you know. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's how it's delivered and so forth. With there's angst behind it instead of just, "Can you tell me what you're experiencing?" Or, mm-hmm. "How are you? What are you thinking? What are you feeling?" But most men were not taught. Is it okay for me to tune into what I'm feeling? Yeah. And especially the vulnerable aspects of those emotions. So tuning into what are we feeling to be able to understand that and be curious about that and then to actually communicate that. That's a big deal for men.
0: That is the big the big part of it is how do I communicate that? Right. And um I really feel like Uh, that's a fundamental part of finding that connection that I was talking about in the beginning. Because oftentimes when we relate to one another, if we don't know what we're feeling, it's very easy to project on the other person, to miss a tune, you know, so to not really be able to uh, tune into where your partner's at. And then also you kind of overlook a lot of very important information, So I also like to help men slow down and really feel like what's going on in your body and sometimes get really specific. Like, you know, where are you feeling that? Like, what's the quality of it? Or Mm -hmm. let's take a breath and just feel the resonance of what just happened. Mm -hmm. Or like right now, being with me and what's happening and what you just shared, what are you noticing in your body?
1: So you're really dealing with the here and now. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
1: And do you experience that men at times want to go to the attraction when they say, What are you feeling? I'm attracted to you, as opposed to what am I feeling as I'm feeling some warmth, warmth in my body. I'm feeling some excitement and joy for what we just spoke to. Mm-hmm. And immediately maybe it's in, it's interpreted as attraction.
0: Mm. Yeah, I haven't really had that experience that much. It's funny, the first thing that when I tell people what I do, oftentimes they're like, well, how are you going to deal with guys being attracted to you, you know? And I often set up in the very beginning in the context, like you may feel attraction, but it's I want you to know that it's mostly the attention that I give, it's not mm-hmm. so much me, but I give a very particular type of attention and that may feel attract, you know, like you may feel attraction and that's okay. Like it's really okay if that's here, but I haven't really had that, um, that experience yet where guys just go straight to attraction. I think I've teach them to kind of slow down and articulate more of the, the nuances, mm-hmm. but it's a great question. Yeah.
1: Well, I think that's great what you said, that because I'm giving you full attention, you're going to feel that. And that's a lot about with therapists, too. Yeah. You know, when somebody might say that they're attracted to me, you know, I just kind of, I I, I work with that. But one aspect that says, I am giving you my full attention right now. And one reason, you're paying me to do that. <laughs> You know, let's put that on the line right, right now, because it may be different if we are outside of the room.
0: Right. It may be. <laughs> right.
1: So is, that's also, you know, it's in our agreement. Our agreement is I'm going to take care of you and your feelings. You don't got to take care of me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be putting a lot of attention on you. Mm-hmm. And and many people don't experience that in their relationships. So they're so hungry and thirsty for that.
0: That is so true. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is one of the greatest gifts that we can give each other is full attention and deep listening. And like, you know, I think in this day and age with uh, so much technology at our fingertips, you know, a lot of instant gratification Mm. on the information that we receive. And um, it's really easy, there's so many things calling our attention away from the moment. You know, you see couples that go out and they both have their phones on the table. And they don't turn them off, they're there just in case you know somebody needs to be contacted. But already that's setting up a tone of I'm not really fully with you, right? And the gift that you can give somebody of fully being with them is enormous. So I think, like, you know, that's also something I love to be able to teach men is just full presence and a woman really wants your attention no matter what like that's Mm. women love your attention so what does that look like you know
1: and do you work the other way because i think also men love a woman's attention Mm -hmm. also and Mm -hmm. maybe it's in a different sense but do you ever work with men about how do you feel when i look at you or the things that i'm saying to you do you feel that I am focusing and honing or asking questions that you feel seen and heard.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. I do check in with that a lot. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, also what I do find in the men that I work with. So not only do I give them the feedback of what's not working, but I'll also give them the feedback of, oh, when you when you just said that, like I noticed my entire body, you know, lit up mm. or I feel myself leaning in and I feel so safe with you right now mm. or gosh the way you just said that and looked at me straight in the eye you 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 know you're really attractive when you do that and I noticed that when I give that kind of affirmation back these men have been like starving for that
1: right yeah. and
0: so it seems like just in our connection and giving that kind of positive feedback to something happens in their nervous system.
1: All right. That's great. You get to play with that all the time. Cause as a therapist, I do that sometimes uh, when I'm doing individual therapy, yeah. I'll tell somebody there's going to be a time I'm going to check in with us. You're going to be telling me about all kinds of relationships that are going to be beneficial for me to know about. But the one real relationship that I have the clearest understanding is what's happening between you and I. So I might ask you, how's the space between us? Yeah. And people are a little bit taken aback about that, you know, because I say to them, let's just say 15 minutes ago, we had a funky encounter. I ask you, how's the space between us? And then all of a sudden you just don't answer it. I want to give you that feedback and saying, well, 15 minutes ago, I thought there was a little funky encounter, but you didn't speak to that to me. I wonder if you do that outside this office to other people. And, but you get to do that almost real time throughout the, the process because mm-hmm. that's that's a given. Mm-hmm. They want that kind of feedback.
0: Well, first of all, I love hearing that you do that mm. in your therapeutic setting because I don't think that that's very right. common. It's not. And it feels like such potent material. Mm. So I'm, I'm so happy to hear that you do that. Mm. But I think it really comes down to intimacy, right? That's so. right.
1: And truth. Are you willing to speak some of your vulnerable truth even if you have some judgment about that?
0: That's exactly right. Yeah. And often we, we use speech for, I hate to say it, but manipulation, so I'll say something because I want you to see me a certain way, or I'll say something because I want to get something from you or get mm-hmm. a need met. But it's not often that we have the space to just speak what's true and then practice embracing whatever comes next. Like that's actually true relating, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I share what's true for me in the space between us and then I, I I let go and then you get to share what's true for you and that's when the relating really starts to happen in that we space. But it takes a lot for people to be able to get there because that's intimacy. Right. And really there's anxiety there. And I think the ability for us to be able to sit in our anxiety and still stay in connection, like our ability to tolerate that basically lends to how much intimacy and connection we can feel. Right. So I, I'm sure that happens with you and your clients when you bring that forward. You're, you're teaching them basically how to sit in some of that anxiety. Exactly,
1: I call it getting comfortable with the uncomfortable
0: totally yeah
1: just get comfortable with the uncomfortableness and just feel it stay stay don't be distracted by trying to say something or change the subject and so forth but really feel the uncomfortableness until it does become comfortable just like pain Mm -hmm. if all of a sudden I know I'm feeling pain but I take away the label of pain and just feel the sensation then I get curious
0: yeah I'm reminded of something I I'm a great follower of Brene Brown I think she Mm -hmm. does amazing work in the world and you know she says something like if you actually measure the time it takes <laughs> to sit in that discomfort and then like say the thing it's such a minuscule mm-hmm. amount of time right and then you often find on the other side of it that there's relief or like more connection mm. most of the time that's what happens i find is like if i speak my truth it's really uncomfortable and i sit with it then there's usually more closeness on the other side of it so right. there there's great reward for it yet we spend most of our lives avoiding it avoiding it so yeah. many people yeah, just whether it's avoid even it
1: alcohol or something else even go to some of you know, a substance to avoid it totally yeah, and they the district, just kind
0: of bury that and and um you know remain disconnected and unfulfilled in in their relationships So back to like working with my clients, it's really like working with me is kind of just practicing, practicing the art of relating and intimacy right here with me in the safe container.
1: You're like a consultant 3.0 because there's a lot of dating consultants that are just, let me work on your own online profile. Let me get you away from pickup lines. I mean, you're going right into the essence and the heart of intimacy. Because one, that's who you are. I have been able to get to know that I love that aspect of yourself. And I believe that that's where mature relationships need to go. We need to get past all this bullshit around what dating is that we see on media and so forth and really get to the heart of people learning how to have mature relationships. Yeah. So, um, yeah. so, that I don't, I'm, I don't think I'm ever going to be out of business. But I'd, I'd like some of the angst to come down for people to be able to really have mature relationships and know how to have intimate connections. So, you're doing wonderful work oh, to teach.
0: Thank you. That's mm-hmm. really good to hear. That definitely is my passion, and I recognize that there is some stuff to get through to get there. You know, like just the how to, like. Even working on the dating profile and working on how my confidence and how I approach people or even knowing my intention for approaching people or like in the dating profile, looking at people's photographs and what kind of energy are they emitting Mm. from the photograph that they choose to put up. I mean, that stuff's important too, because people feel... You got to create a bridge, I guess, to get to that place where you can practice the deep art of intimacy. So, for somebody that's you know feels very far away from that, I know most of us have who who don't have that have a longing for it. Like if you, mm. most people that you speak to, you know the the more you uncover the truth for them, most people have that desire for yeah. deep, deep, authentic connection. Yeah. Some people, you just have to work a bit harder to get to that. But that's right. I believe that's a core, basic human need. So I do also want to be helpful with, you know, creating that bridge in more pragmatic way for do my. Most
1: clients. men know what they're getting into when they're getting you as a <laughs> consultant. Do you think?
0: <laughs> uh, I don't think yeah. so. Uh-huh.
1: They get kind of pleasantly, uncomfortably surprised.
0: I hope so, I hope so. Yeah, mm-hmm. I hope so. Right. yeah it's um, it's the kind of work, and I'm sure you feel this in your work as well, is that it feels, well, what I love about my work is that I bring myself into it a lot because that's helping them. It's, you know, like I said before, we're working with this, this relationship that's right here in the moment. So I get to bring myself a lot. And mm. honestly, in everyone that I work with, I adore them. They're all beautiful human beings with a myriad of wounding and ways that they've had to cope with their own hurt and pain. Mm. But honestly, like each and every single one of them is beautiful. Yeah. And I think if I can help them to gain confidence in their unique, unique way that they're showing up and seeing the world. And to trust that, like, if they can really own that more fully and then, you know, and feel more wholeness within themselves, that they're going to attract women that are a match for that unique gift that they bring to the world.
1: Right. Not to try to match what somebody else is looking for, but to find our truth. When you were speaking, an image came up for me of the first time that I was spending time in an open seat at Esalen. And an open seat is where somebody chooses to work with a facilitator in front of the group. Could be two people, could be 20 people. And they work on an issue for maybe about 45 minutes. I remember I went to several. I mean, I lived there for over a year and I was going to three or four a week. And it got to a point where when they revealed their truth, the real vulnerable truth, I fell in love with them. I fell in love with almost every person that was on that cushion, but I realized I was falling in love with truth and not the actual person. But when they connected it, then I could fall in love with the loving aspect of who they were and not get it confused with sexual attraction and so forth. But it was truth that I fell in love with.
0: If you could see me over here, I'm beaming from ear to (laughs) ear because I completely relate with that. Mm -hmm. In the circling work I do, we do also, we sit with somebody for 45 minutes as well and circle them. And I uh, get to facilitate that. And in that process too, I also over and over again fall in love with people. And I love that. And, And you're right, it's like when you see truth you know i feel like i'm in the presence of god mm. and then i think well shit just imagine if we could do this more and more in the world so one of my goals is to to really make a big impact and touch as many people as possible in a way that people are taking this and relating to other people this way imagine if we had more of this in the world and a little less of what is occurring yeah. at the moment. Mm. Like,
1: it will transform.
0: To me, that is the path for transformation on a big level. Mm. And that's my unique way of contributing. And I've had to come to peace with that because I grew up in South Africa where there was a uh, massive injustice happening around me. And I felt a lot of angst um, about that, growing up white in South Africa in the thick of apartheid. And, you know, I've always kind of carried this, like there's something that I need to be doing. (laughs) You know, and I'll I'll often find like, you know, there's so many people around me doing amazing things. And I would have, when I was younger, some personal judgment against myself of like, I'm not doing enough. There's, you know, I don't quite know where to put my energy around Mm. injustice but I feel like every time I would hear somebody speak about injustice, it would affect me so strongly. And then at some point I realized this is my way. My way is teaching people how to essentially open up more to love. Mm. And when you are in the presence of that, it doesn't really allow For these injustices, or like, you know, discrimination, or like all the different ways that we are hurting each other. That's beautiful. Thanks.
1: And I'm wondering with helping people open up to love, they have to take the big leap of vulnerability. And that's really a challenge for many people to actually be exposed. And so I'm imagining in your consultation practice, You have to work on with the foundational aspects of self-worth and self-esteem sense of self to be able to put something out there with truth and however it's received come back and you know that it was sent out in the way that you expressed it it was a knowing of yourself and you shared it to be satisfied with that as opposed to it being acknowledged or validated or praised so Instead of the other validated, we get the self-validated. So is that part of the work also?
0: Mm, yeah, I love that question. Yeah, I think a lot of what I find is there's a reason, there's a, usually a very good reason for why people are scared to put themselves out there. you know. And, and some of my work is first kind of making sense of where that came from why you know why is this person like so extremely scared of abandonment and validating and making sense of it because i think oftentimes you know people who who have these core reasons like maybe mom left when they were very young and they have this horrible fear of abandonment and they're in their 50s and there's shame around, like, why do I still have this? Why is this still showing up? You know, I've been doing all my personal work, but this thing is still showing up. So we spent some time really making sense of that. There was a reason for it. So yes, and then like having some self acceptance around that, right. yeah, because that's I think that's the biggest thing. It's like mm-hmm. right. accepting who we yeah. are, and then and all the parts that that right. brings, you know.
1: And in a conversation that we were having earlier, a lot of men their first trigger is to feel shame. And so that's something that um, would be a great continuous help I know in the work that you do to be able to get that clarity around, because that's where men go instantly. They go to inadequacy and they go to shame. And to be able to present to them aspects of awareness or feedback that that's not their first default. That's gotta be challenging.
0: Yeah, I think you know there's a myriad of ways that when a man is triggered with shame that they, you know, respond to that and often what I have experienced is outburst of anger. Like it's right. much easier for me to be angry than to actually face what's underneath that which is deep shame. Right. So, I'm curious to hear from you how you teach your clients who, you know, their go-to is anger, how to be with the shame. Like, I know that, you know, for shame, really the only way to transform it is to bring light to it. Yeah,
1: self-compassion is my, my go-to for it. Because if there's too much shame, we can't take accountability, responsibility for our behavior, our actions, our words, uh, because it's too painful. And the antidote to that would be self-compassion. So the more self-compassion I have for myself, the more I'm gonna be able to take accountability. Yes, I made a mistake. Probably millions of people before me have done this stupid thing that I've done. It's not making excuses, but it's a, it's connecting to humanity. And my podcast on self-compassion I did a few weeks ago really talked about the essence of, of how to bring self-compassion in, but to me, that's feeding of self-compassion reduces shame. Mm. And it's really challenging because we're not taught how to be self-compassionate. It's kind of looked in the men's world as more weakness as opposed to takes a tremendous amount of strength to be vulnerable. That's why most men don't do it. It's mm. not because it's weak. It's because it's hard as hell. Yeah. So to be able to be self-compassionate means that I have to nurture myself. I have to be kind to myself. Men aren't aren't conditioned, they're taught to be kind to themselves. Mm. So to me, I work with men about how to do that, how to be kind to themselves, how to have self-compassion for themselves, and to recognize, like you said, the trigger, anger, blame, stonewall, withdrawal, all of those jump over shame, yeah, or a combination of those. So when you're doing that, it's like, well, what am I feeling inadequate or vulnerable? That's a kind of a go-to question when those emotions are out there.
0: That's such important work. Mm. Yeah, you mentioned stonewalling. That that too. I've seen seen that a lot, and um, that is such destructive behavior in a relationship. Right. You know, and then in terms of how, as a woman, how to best support and be with a man who is having that kind of you know. I, I love that you're talking about self compassion and how to work with it on your own. But I'm curious how you handle dealing with that in relationship and like the woman in the, in the partnership and how to best support her partner through that. Yeah.
1: Um, I think it was also listening to Brene Brown when she was telling about a man that uh, was at one of her lectures and said, you know, you really don't talk about men's shame a lot. And he said, I'll be damned if I'm going to really talk about my vulnerability. See those women over there? My wife and two young girls? They don't want me to get off of that white horse. They freak when I do that. And I think there's some aspect of that. Women want men to be vulnerable, but when there's aspects that they show vulnerability, some women feel fear about that. And I think one is helping that part of recognizing and acknowledging and encouraging and appreciating a man's vulnerable truth, even if it creates fear inside a woman. Oh. You're not the man that I thought you were because now you're showing some weakness. Because I do hear a lot. Women say, I, I want to know what you're thinking. I want to know what you're feeling. Tell me what you're feeling. And a man sells it and then she gets upset. And so what is the signal? I'm not good enough. I'm not doing it right. I won't do it because I'm going to get shut down. So one way that I work is let women really be able to witness and reflect back what they're hearing before they bring their stuff on. And so it creates a safe environment to encourage men to be more vulnerable because if there's an instant shutdown of even defensiveness or accusation or some blame or some fear that shows up or that's not what happened, that's not how you feel, it's gonna just shut right down. Mm -hmm. So it's helping women create a space for let a man have his experience, which is not easy.
0: Yeah, I think this is a very rich conversation about vulnerability and like how we show up as women, you know, as women show up for men's vulnerability. I've thought about it a lot and I've thought about like, when does it not feel okay? And I think in my experience, it's when a man for me starts to become a victim to his vulnerability or like gets attached or identified then it starts to not feel okay for me. Right.
1: I would imagine, I don't know if this is true, but what I see is that then a woman feels like she's gotta mother the man and not nurture him. Because when the victimization shows up, then that aspect is a real turn off, which then creates this imbalance of men want the nurturing, but instead a woman feels the more of the mothering aspect. And that's not a good balance when a partner mothers their partner, their, yeah. their partner instead of nurtures their partner.
0: That's a good distinction. Yeah. Also, when the victimization starts to happen, there is a bit of like self absorption. And uh-huh. ultimately, it's taking away attention and connection. It takes away from the connection. That's right. So, anytime in my experience that there is something that takes away from like really nurturing the connection. I think that's when it starts to become a problem or like it's, it doesn't feel okay anymore, it feels imbalanced or something like that. Mm-hmm. But also back to something you said about being able to be present and giving space for the vulnerability. Uh, that's a, another really important principle and what we practice encircling a lot is how can I be with your pain and suffering without needing to fix or change it? And this is another thing, too, that is commonly, like men being the producers that they are, they they wanna try to fix something if they see something, you know, hurting in their partner or right. a problem to solve or something like that. But I think the more we can both be with what's happening for the other and really just be a space holder for it, you know, give reflection, maybe share some impact, but not try to change where somebody is. Because when we try to change something, it's really an indication that we're not okay with something. And in a a very subtle way, it's actually shaming. Mm -hmm. So if someone's revealing their shame, and we can't be with it, well then we're just, like you said, we're we're affirming their shame.
1: So is that what you work with when you're doing the consultations? If shame comes up, are you just acknowledging or affirming what it is that you're experiencing and saying as opposed to trying to change a man's behavior. Because that's a fine line. If you're uh, consulting a man on his dating connection skills, you've got to give some direction and some feedback. But at the same time, men don't really want to be changed in that way.
0: Right. So if it's in the dating context, if we're actually out on a date, we won't really dive into that. Like that does... Yeah, but in the, in the one-on-one sessions that we have, the way that I work with them is to really get their world around mm. their shame. Like I get curious and they'll talk about it and then I'll share what it's like to hear that. Like, oh my God, when you just said that thing about, you know, whatever it is, and that feels so heavy in me, you know? Mm. And how do you make sense of that? Or, Mm. and sometimes like, where do you feel that in your body? And what's that like for you? And I really take time to get what it's like for them so that they can feel fully seen and met in it. And then usually what tends to happen is it brings like some relief for them and it opens up space for something else to emerge. But really until they can face that and be with it and find compassion, like you said, for themselves, they're gonna be restricted or it's gonna narrow their possibility for creating what they want. Hmm.
1: That's right on, it's beautifully said.
0: Thanks.
1: Before we end, I want people to also know that you don't just offer the in-person real-time consultations, that this kind of work can be done and the coaching work can be done through different types of mediums. So they don't have to be with you. You can work with, you're here in Nashville, you can work with somebody around the world or in a different city. Is that true?
0: That is true, yeah. So I can work over Zoom. I've done like dates over Zoom Mm. because you know, even on the date, you can, uh, you're meeting each other for the first time, and, and how do you relate with each other? You know, it may not be out to dinner, but I, I do actually also do two day or one day intensives and am willing to fly to other parts of the country to work with people one on one. So all of that is available.
1: So you got a good gig. You get all. You get dinners paid for. You get that flight paid for. That's, you got it right.
0: That's <laughs> pretty good, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I just hope that uh, you know I can provide a lot of value and help yeah. people to find. Mm-hmm. Um, you are. Thank you. Yeah. Like to help them find a lot more nourishment, joy, and fulfillment, and wow. it's it's available to them, right? Like right. it's available to everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's just kind of like opening them up to what is available and what's, what's inside of them, essentially. Uh,
1: right. So do you wanna say how people can get in contact with you if they want to? Yeah.
0: yeah. My website is kathycourtney.com. So it's C-A-T-H-Y-C-O-U-R-T-E-N-A-Y.com. And I believe that'll be in the notes for the yeah, podcast. That's right. And I offer uh, free consults for men. So they can go right onto my calendar and um, set an appointment for themselves. And over the, the consult, we get to see if we're a good fit. And and even the consult itself is kind of like a session. So I hope that after each consult, they walk away with some nugget or some new seeing.
1: You know, uh, what's just coming through to me is I'm I'm wondering, do you work with men that are in a relationship? Like if I have many listeners here. And it's not just a, a man segment here. I'm wondering if a woman is listening, man, I would really love my, my partner, my boyfriend, my husband to have some of that consecrated because he's not getting me. He's not getting how I want to be with Do you offer that.
0: Absolutely. fucking Great. <laughs>
1: Absolutely people. <laughs> totally. So totally. Yeah. Like
0: you know, I mean, really my driving force is to help people relate.
1: Right. Good. So
0: yes, yes, yeah. yes. Like yeah. even if you've been married twenty years and there's some kind of misattunement, misconnection, there's just small tweaks that you that you probably don't even know about mm-hmm. that I would be so thrilled to share with you. Because for me, like if, if relationships can get better, if people can find more joy and reconnect, well, that just helps everybody. Yeah. So, absolutely.
1: Great. Well, yeah. Uh, I'm really hoping that a lot of listeners take you up on that because it's so needed and what you're doing is such wonderful work. So,
0: mm.
1: thanks so much for doing it.
0: Yeah. Thank you, Prepo. Yeah. It has been such a delight sitting here talking with you. Mm. I feel so much joy and a calmness as well of like this is the work that I'm here to do and it feels like you're here to do. And Mm. I'm so grateful that you're doing the work to like all the different podcasts you've done on relationship Mm. and different aspects of it is so important and I'm so grateful that you're doing that and I I know that people are getting a lot out of it.
1: Mm. Thank you.
0: Yeah, thanks.
1: We'll do it again, it was fun. I would love to.
0: All right. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. Relationships. Let's Talk About It is a production of HeartShare Counseling and Consulting PC of Asheville, North Carolina. For more on
1: licensed professional counselor, Prepo Tablitski, visit heartsharecounseling.com.
0: Theme music by Adi the Monk at adithemonk.com. This content is intended for informational purposes only, is not a substitute for professional counseling and psychotherapy, medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, and does not constitute medical or other professional advice. Relationships, Let's Talk About It is produced by PodCraft. Create your own
1: great podcast today, faster and easier at podcraft.us.